Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. In Jesus' time, a teacher was regarded as someone which dealt with both religious and civil matters. So it makes sense, then, that Jesus' opinion was sought in a legal dispute over property, as you will hear today. But we, my friends, often hear objections like, you can't legislate morality, which has a bit of irony built in, don't you think? (laughs) Hey, Hopeful, welcome to For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, which is part of our journey together where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself, Monday through Saturday, his mind in print, and consider our own life and work stories in light of that. My friends, all laws or rules include reflections of morality because they all suggest something that's right or wrong. The question is, whose morality are we going to legislate? Listen for Jesus' solution after the story about the brotherly dispute. Today we're picking up our New Testament reading in Luke chapter 12, verses 1 through 34. Meanwhile, a crowd of many thousands came together so that they were trampling on one another. He began to say to his disciples first, Be on your guard against the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. There is nothing covered that won't be uncovered, nothing hidden that won't be made known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark will be heard in the light, and what you have whispered in an ear in a private room will be proclaimed on the housetops. I say to you, my friends, don't fear those who kill the body, and after that can do nothing more. But I will show you the one to fear, Fear him who has authority to throw people into hell after death. Yes, I say to you, this is the one to fear. Aren't five sparrows sold for two pennies? Yet not one of them is forgotten in God's sight. Indeed, the hairs of your head are all counted. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. And I say to you, anyone who acknowledges me before others... The Son of Man will also acknowledge him before the angels of God. But whoever denies me before others will be denied before the angels of God. Anyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven, but the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Whenever they bring you before the synagogues and rulers and authorities, don't worry about how you should defend yourselves or what you should say. For the Holy Spirit will teach you at that very hour what must be said. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, here we go, my friends. Someone from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Friend, Jesus said to him, Who appointed me a judge or arbiter over you? He then told them, Watch out and be on your guard against all greed because one's life is not in the abundance of his possessions. And then he told them a parable. A rich man's land was very productive, and he thought to himself, What should I do, since I don't have anywhere to store my crops? I'll do this, he said. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones and store all my grain and goods there. Then I'll say to myself, You have many goods stored up for many years. Take it easy. Eat, drink, and enjoy yourself. But God said to him, You fool! 
This very night your life is demanded of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? That's how it is with one who stores up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Then he said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn, yet God feeds them. Aren't you worth much more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment to his life span by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. And if that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat or what you should drink. And don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your Father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And that is chapter 12, verses 1 through 34. And a lesson from the red words themselves, right? Jesus himself saying, wait a minute, who or what are you going to trust? My friends, as we turn to our Old Testament segment today, there are a couple points to make along the way. One about playing as a whole team and one reminding us that God keeps his promises, including watching over us. We pick up today in Numbers chapter 32 and I'll just pause along the way because, you know, that's what I do. Just to point out a couple things. Numbers 32. The Reubenites and Get. I mean, you know what? I'm just going to pause right here. Remember that this is the new generation that's still in the desert. They haven't crossed into the promised land, right? All of the original generation that left Egypt has now died. And now God's providing instruction through Moses about what they should go do and and what they're supposed to do when they get into the promised land and and that kind of thing, right? Okay, here we go. The Reubenites and Gadites had a very large number of livestock. When they surveyed the lands of Jazer and Gilead, they saw the region was a good one for livestock. So the Gadites and Reubenites came to Moses, the priest Eleazar, and the leaders of the community and said, The territory of Ataroth, Dibon, Jazer, Nimrah, Heshbon, Elielah, Sebam, Nebo, and Baon, which the Lord struck down before the community of Israel, is good land for livestock, and your servants own livestock. They said, If we have found favor with you, let this land be given to your servants as a possession. Don't make us cross the Jordan. But Moses asked the Gadites and the Reubenites, and here we go, my friends, this is an interesting point. Should your brothers go to war? While you stay here, why are you discouraging the Israelites from crossing into the land the Lord has given them? I'll just pause. I think the question is one of everybody playing for the same team. And another day we can go into that more deeply. Like, 
you know, I don't think it's wrong to pay salespeople more if that's part of the business model, but everybody's got to be on the same team. Okay, here we go. But Moses asked the Gadites and the Reubenites, should your brothers go to war while you stay here? Why are you discouraging the Israelites from crossing into the land the Lord has given them? That's what your ancestors did when I sent them from Kadesh Barnea to see the land. After they went up as far as the Eskol Valley and saw the land, they discouraged the Israelites from entering the land the Lord had given them. So the Lord's anger burned that day, and he swore an oath, saying, Because they did not remain loyal to me, none of the men twenty years old or more who came up from Egypt will see the land I swore to give Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. None, except Caleb son of Jephunneh the Kenizzite, and Joshua son of Nun, because they did remain loyal to the Lord. The Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he made them wander in the wilderness forty years until the whole generation that was that had done what was evil in the Lord's sight was gone. And here you, a brood of sinners, stand in your ancestors' place, adding even more to the Lord's burning anger against Israel. If you turn back from following him, he will once again leave this people in the wilderness, and you will destroy all of them. And then they approached him and said, We want to build sheep pens here for our livestock and cities for our dependents, but we will arm ourselves and be ready to go ahead of the Israelites until we have brought them into the place. Meanwhile, our dependents will remain in the fortified cities because of the inhabitants of the land. We will not return to our homes until each of the Israelites has taken possession of his inheritance. Yet we will not have an inheritance with him across the Jordan and beyond, because our inheritance will be across the Jordan to the east. And Moses replied to them, If you do this, if you arm yourselves for battle before the Lord, and every one of your armed men crosses the Jordan before the Lord until he has driven out, driven his enemies from his presence, and the land is subdued before the Lord, afterward you may return and be free from obligation to the Lord and to Israel. And this land will belong to you as a possession before the Lord. If you don't do this, you will certainly sin against the Lord. Be sure your sin will catch up with you. Build cities for your dependents and pens for your livestock, but do what you have promised. And the Gadites and Reubenites answered Moses, Your servants will do just as the Lord commands. Our dependents, wives, livestock, and all our animals will remain here in the cities of Gilead, but your servants are equipped for war before the Lord and will go across to the battle as my Lord orders. So, Moses gave orders about them to the priest Eleazar, Joshua, son of Nun, and the family heads of the Israelites' tribes. And Moses told them, If the Gadites and Reubenites cross the Jordan with you, every man in battle formation before the Lord, and the land is subdued before you, you are to give them the land of Gilead as a possession. But if they don't go across with you in battle formation, they must accept land in Canaan with you. And the Gadites and Reubenites replied, What the Lord has spoken to your servants is what we will do. We will cross over in battle formation before the Lord into the land of Canaan, but we will keep our hereditary possession across the Jordan. So Moses gave them, the Gadites, Reubenites, and half-tribe of Manasseh, son of Joseph, the kingdom of King Zion of the Amorites, and the kingdom of Og of Bashan, the, the land including its cities with the territory surrounding them, and the Gadites rebuilt Dibon, Ataroth, Aror, Atroth Shaphan, Jazer, Jagbaha, Beth Nemrah, and Beth Haran as fortified cities, and built sheep pens. The Reubenites rebuilt Heshbon, Aliela, Kiriathim, and as well as Nebo, Baalmeon, whose names were changed, little parentheses right there, and Sibma, and they gave names to the cities they rebuilt. 
The descendants of Maker, son of Manasseh, went to Gilead, captured it, and drove out the Amorites who were there. So Moses gave Gilead to the clan of Maker, son of Manasseh, and they settled in it. Jair, a descendant of Manasseh, went and captured their villages, which were renamed Jair's villages. Nobah went and captured Kenneth with its surrounding villages and called it Nobah after his own name. Well, there's a crazy and original idea. And that is chapter 32. We are going to continue with chapter 33. Note here, one of the things that you see throughout the Bible, including particularly in the Old Testament, is God looking forward, like eschatologically, right? Looking ahead by reminding people of what was behind, as in here is all the stuff that God has done for you. So God keeps his promises, including keeping watch over us. Numbers chapter 33, and we probably won't read quite the whole thing. These were the stages of the Israelites' journey when they went out of the land of Egypt by their military divisions under the leadership of Moses and Aaron. At the Lord's command, Moses wrote down the starting points for the stages of their journey. These are the stages listed by their starting points. And my friends, as we do here, uh, when we where we would visual, visually skim because it repeats the same thing, I verbally abbreviate and just punctuate with the pieces that are original. So here we go, just so you know if that's if you're new to the show. They traveled from Ramses in the first month on the 15th day of the month. On the day after the Passover, the Israelites went out defiantly in the sight of all of the Egyptians. Meanwhile, the Egyptians were burying every firstborn male the Lord had struck down among them, for the Lord had executed judgment against their gods. The Israelites traveled from Ramses and camped at Succoth. They traveled from Succoth and camped at Etham, which is on the edge of the wilderness. They traveled from Etham and turned back to Pi-Hiroth, which faces Baal-Savahon, and they camped before Migdal. They traveled from Pi-Hiroth and crossed through the middle of the sea into the wilderness, and they took a three-day journey into the wilderness of Etham and camped at Marah. They traveled from Marah and came to Elim, and there were twelve springs and seventy date palms at Elim, so they camped there. They traveled from Elim and camped by the Red Sea, from the Red Sea to the wilderness of Zin, from the wilderness of Zin to Dafka, from Dafka to Elush, and to then Rephidim, where there was no water for the people to drink, from Rephidim to the wilderness of Sinai, to Kibroth Hatava, to Hazaroth, to Ritma, from Ritma to Ramon Perez, to Libna, to Rissa, to Kehelata. Easy for me to say, Kalahelatha. From there to Mount Shefer, to Harada, to Makaloth, to Tahath, to Terah, to Mithka, to Hashmanah, to Masaroth, to Benajakan, to Hor Hagidgad, <laughs> to Jathbatha, to Abrona, to Ezion Geber. They traveled from Ezion Geber and camped in the wilderness of Zin, that is Kadesh. And they traveled from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the edge of the land of Edom. At the Lord's command, the priest Aaron climbed Mount Hor and died there on the first day of the fifth month in the 40th year after the Israelites went out of the land of Egypt. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. At that time, the Canaanite king of Arad, who lived in the Negev in the land of Canaan, heard the Israelites were coming. They traveled from Mount Hor to Zalmanah to Punan, from Punan and camped at Oboth, from Oboth 
encamped at Ai Ibarim on the border of Moab, from there to Dibon Gad, to Alman Diblathaim, to Abarim, uh, the Abarim range facing Nebo. And they traveled from the Abarim range and camped on the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. And they camped by the Jordan from Beth Shemash, Beth Jeshemoth to the Acacia Meadow on the plains of Moab. You know what? I'm just going to finish this chapter because these are the instructions for occupying Canaan. And we're almost done. The Lord spoke to Moses in the plains of Moab by the Jordan across from Jericho. Tell the Israelites, when you cross the Jordan into the land of Canaan, you must drive out all the inhabitants of the land before you, destroy all their stone images and cast images, and demolish all their high places. You are to take possession of the land and settle in it, because I have given you the land to possess. You are to receive the land as an inheritance by lot according to your clans. Increase the inheritance for a large clan and decrease it for a small one. Whatever place the lot indicates for someone will be his. You will receive an inheritance according to your ancestral tribes. But if you don't drive out the inhabitants of the land before you, those you allow to remain will become barbs for your eyes and thorns for your sides. They will harass you in the land where you live. And what I had planned to do with them, to do to them, I will do to you. And my friends, that gets us up through chapter 33. My friends, I hope you see that there are some lessons even for work there. God has given us an inheritance, but he has given us work as a blessing. Going back to Genesis chapter 1, of course, it gets a little messy in Genesis 3, meaning the land is going to have, you know, the fields are going to have thorns in them. But you, it's useful to remember that work whether you go to a day job or you're retired or whatever, work is a blessing given by the Lord. Lord God, I just pray that today you would just help us to see our work as a blessing given from you for our good and for our flourishing. And Lord, even all of the things that you promised us, you didn't promise us without us having agency and taking action on our own as well. And Lord, I just pray that we would just see that today as a as an offering to you. I love you, my friends. Amen. And by the way, do, if you like that theme, please catch the Always Be Ready segment today. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.